You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. Please support the show by leaving us a five-star review on the iTunes app. 90% of our listeners listen on Apple, and it really helps us get more ears on the show, bring you amazing guests, and make the show bigger. Without you, this isn't possible, so please, please help us out by leaving us a review. On today's show, we have Eliza Kelly, who is a professional astrologer, has a weekly podcast called Stars Like Us, and is the resident astrologer at Cosmopolitan Magazine. I discovered Eliza on Instagram, where she has a plethora of astrology memes, of course, and we had the best conversation with her. Her perspective and advice is clear and concise and really helps you understand astrology on a deeper level. If you're obsessed with astrology like I am, this will be for you. We are just going to jump right in with Eliza Kelly. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. So first of all, what sign are you? I am a Leo. I am a Leo with a Capricorn rising and a Pisces moon. So there's a lot more going on than just my Leo sign. <laughs> I am a Cancer and Chantelle is a Pisces. So it makes so much sense that we are doing this podcast together because we are like... Swimming. I love it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's just jump right in. Uh, I thought it would be cool to kind of start off with what are some, uh, misconceptions about astrology and, um, maybe how it can be used in day-to-day life to kind of guide people or direct them, um, how it can be basically used in your power to help you figure shit out, you know? Well, I think that that actually is a very sort of well-worded two-part question, Um, And I apologize in advance for all of these sirens that you'll hear um, as a byproduct of me just being at an intersection in New York City. There seems to always be an emergency happening. So this is part of (laughs) this is just part of my backdrop. Um, (laughs) But astrology, I think in a lot of ways can be used for, you know, to me and in my practice and the reason that I love astrology so much is because it is a, it's a practice in empathy. Um, astrology is really a practice in understanding ourselves as these very complex multidimensional creatures um, who have, have many different facets and attributes and strengths and weaknesses and um, moments of fortune and moments of stress and challenge, right? Um, And I think that astrology can be used every single day to really understand how we are very individually reacting to our situations and seeing the world from our unique vantage and perspective. Um, I think that it can be used every day to help find compassion for ourselves as individuals and then to find compassion for the people in our lives um, and recognizing that their needs might not be the same as our needs. And then in turn, I think the misconception is actually quite the opposite of all of that. I think the misconception is when we stereotype and typecast people based on their sun sign, which from an astrological point of view is like, you know, it's such a surface experience of understanding astrology. Um, But on top of that, you know, should we not want to interact with someone based on their sun sign that is literally using astrology for like 
the antithesis of empathy. That is like being cruel by way of astrology. So I, I would definitely like to encourage people to, to never utilize it for, for evil in those ways. (laughs) (laughs) I've been obsessed with astrology. Chantel knows this since I was like, since I was, I can't, I remember reading like astrology books when I was like really young. I can't even remember. I was just obsessed. And I really do, like, I really do see the similarities, like in people, I'm telling you, everyone in my life is a Pisces, (laughs) whether that's good or bad, (laughs) but it's just like, they, like we get each other and I I attract so many, so many of them into my life. So I'm always, I'm always interested, I guess, in why people may not believe in it. Um, what do you find in like in your career that is like challenging in, in, in terms of like getting people to really, I don't know, maybe tune into it or understand it better. If that makes sense. Well, fortunately I'm at the point in my career now where I don't really, you know, I'm too far gone as a professional astrologer to find myself in conversations where people are trying to refute astrology with me. Um, because like at that point it's like, what you know, okay. <laughs> Cool. That's how I make a living. Great. Fantastic. I'm glad you don't believe in it. Um, but I, but you know, I remember earlier on when I was a little less confident in my practice and in my belief system, um, getting into those conversations a lot. Um, and the, you know, at the end of the day, you know, astrology is a tool for helping to become self-aware and become a more reflective person. And I don't think that there is any harm in being a more reflective and self-aware person. Um, and if it's not the language that speaks to you, then don't use it. You know, it's, it, I'm, no one is being didactic about astrology. It's not, we're not trying to evangelize it or convert anyone to astrology. It's, it's merely just a language that I have found to be very resonant and the people I work with have found to be very resonant. And obviously since astrology has blown up in the past couple of years, a lot of people are finding it to be resonant. So it's, you know, if for those who don't uh, see the value in it, cool. No, no worries. (laughs) You don't have to use it. Cool. I love that answer. Now that we got that out of the way, <laughs> I think it would be really cool um, for our listeners. I feel like, okay, so because I talk about astrology a lot, um, I feel like maybe people don't really understand like the 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 vast uh, vastness of their chart and that there's more things than just your sun sign. So I thought it'd be cool to just start off by maybe uh, giving our listeners some insight as to like, what is your moon sign? What is your sun sign? What is your rising sign? And what do those mean? Sure. So the sun, moon and rising are sort of like the pillars of astrology, especially when you're finding yourself curious to take your astrological insight to the next level and to dive a little bit deeper. Um, Those are a great three placements to really reflect on and ruminate on. So the sun sign, which is how most people understand their astrological profile, um, because it's based on your date of birth, um, is, is what is going to show us the way that you radiate in the world. It's going to show us how you illuminate, um, what makes you happy, what you're attracted to. If we think about what the sun does in the sky on a beautiful, bright, warm day, like we're all feeling good. 
we feel like we can really like put our best foot forward. And that is how the sun sign is functioning in our chart is that it wants to, um, it wants to be present. It wants to be external and it wants to sort of show itself to the world. The rising sign is based on the exact time that you were born in addition to your location and the day of birth, right? So your rising sign requires a little bit more specificity to figure out. Um, But this is a very important component of your astrological profile because it actually really sets the stage for where everything else falls because it shows us what sign was coming up in the Eastern horizon at your exact moment of birth. So it shows us where all of the different planets that we look at, which there are many in astrology are, um, and the way that they function and sort of pool energy within our own lives. But the rising sign on its own shows us our perspective on reality. So whereas the sun sign is showing us the way that we radiate and the way that we sort of move through the world in this exuberant sense, um, the rising sign is going to show us how you see the world to be. So I liken it to the, the sun sign being your car and the rising sign being the road that you're driving on. Um, So it's really painting the landscape for you. And then the moon is the celestial body that shows you your emotional inner world. So it's the moon is your most private and most sacred internal place of your chart. Um, What we learn from the moon sign is really how we feel about our experiences and what nurtures us and what provides us comfort and gives us support. So you know, you can imagine sort of on a macro level, every day we do our solar activities, we're living our sun sign life, and then the moon sets and we're alone at night and we're reflecting on them being like, damn, like this made me feel some sort of way. Like I did it at the time, but now I'm really reflecting and feeling this. That's what the moon is doing in our charts constantly. The moon is providing that alternative perspective of how we feel about the way that we have done all the things we've done. So those three placements, you could spend truly a lifetime in really analyzing and, um, and isolating how these individual components interact independently and then with each other. But that still is only the tip of the iceberg in all of the ways that astrology is showing us the dimensionality of who we are. All I was thinking, <laughs> Sean, do you have any questions about that? <laughs> no, go ahead. I'll ask something after. Go ahead. I um, All I was thinking as you were speaking, so informative, and I wasn't even, I, I didn't, I guess I was like, not, <laughs> I thought all of those signs meant totally different things. So thank you for that. Oh, shit. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> I'm glad to clarify. <laughs> I just heard so many different things, and then you kind of piece things together on your own, and you actually don't even know what the hell is right. Um but also what came up for me when you were speaking is how did you even get into this? Like, how do you become an astrologer? That's Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you too. I'm so curious about that. Well, I, um, I actually entered the astrological space, if you will, professionally in 2013 um, when I was living in Los Angeles because I started an astrology dating app. Um, so at that time I was not an astrologer. I was an astrology enthusiast and I 
was going on all of these shitty dates with Aquarians. And I was like, when, why am I not linking up with the people who I'm compatible with, right? This is like from my very surface level understanding of astrology. Turns out Leo and Aquarius could actually be a very good fit, but didn't know that at the time. And uh, my friend and I from college, um, sort of on this very um, impulsive, like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, mission decided that like, why can't we start a dating app? Tinder had sort of just become the norm at that time and Bumble didn't exist yet. And there was, it was still a very new space that felt like there was a lot of opportunity for growth in. And we decided to launch this, this astrology dating app because that just made sense. And then obviously we had to create content for it. So we started working with astrologers. I, we started working with, um, Annabelle Gatt, who was my first mentor in astrology. And I had actually, she's also a native New Yorker. So we had known each other through mutual friends. Um, and I found myself sort of working with her more and more and creating this content and understanding it, being less and less interested in the startup culture of our company, um, less interested in having to like pitch private investors and venture capitalists for money and more interested in actually working with the material, um, started to work on charts and do charts for all my friends, do charts for everyone who was on the app, offer those services for free, learning and learning and learning. And then lo and behold, our company closed in 2016 and I, had absolutely no idea what I was going to do because I was had built my identity around for the past three years, this company that ended up collapsing basically like, you know, filing for bankruptcy more or less. And I moved back to New York city and I went to Annabelle and I was like, I hate astrology. Astrology failed me. Um, I, you know, don't, I'm not ever going to work with this again. And she literally was just like, mm, I don't think that that's the plan. <laughs> and she then started to invite me to her very intimate classes that she was teaching at the time. And I didn't have a job and I was applying to jobs and I had a lot of time on my hands and I just immersed myself in astrology and I was studying every single day of the week. Um, and this went on for months and months and months until people started to ask me again for, to do their charts. And slowly I started doing them. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to charge $25 because it's actually very exhausting and I'm still very broke. And like <laughs> we can maybe start to like find some purpose and value to it. And, and incrementally and gradually, um, I, I started having more opportunities and I started building up my practice. And I had that at that point been working with astrology for quite a number of years and it just grew from there. So I would say that the process of becoming an astrologer and when I felt sort of competent enough to use that title was after, um, three years of studying. Wow. That's so cool. Um, I could imagine in your work there, it requires quite a bit of intuition. 
were there some, are there some practices that you use to like tune into that? And has that been part of your journey too? Cause you're talking about like studying and, and that sort of thing. But what about like the tuning in inwards and, and pulling out like from an intuitive place? Was that part of your, your process of studying as well? No. Um, in fact, it was actually something I had to very work on separating because astrology is very technical. Uh, astrology is very by the book. And yeah. I had to, you know, um, another mentor of mine, Ann Ortley, um, she also is a Pisces moon and is very intuitive and very psychic. And I identify as psychic. I'm a high empath. But one of the things that she taught me is basically like, if you're feeling something intuitively, find it in the chart, you know, find the place where it exists in the technical form, because relying, being, relying on intuition is a different type of offering and a different service, but being an astrologer is, a, it's, a, it's very technical and it really is about learning a different language and being able to read that and translate it. Um, in a way that is going to be accessible for people. So in my sessions, um, I there I always sort of frame them and set them up as conversations because I'm going to read be reading their chart technically, but they're going to connect the dots and bring it to life by their real life experiences. Um, because obviously two people born on the exact same day and location and time are going to have lived very different lives. And the reason for that is because the charts are going to react differently based on different circumstances. So the circumstances of how one person is going to, who has, you know, a lot of creativity in their chart, um, who, who is born into an artistic family is going to be very different than somebody who was born into a extremely conservative, strict family where they only had, were being trained to be a, business person, you know, Mm. or like a math teacher or something, right? Like there it's one person is probably going to have felt like they were able to exercise their craft and the gifts a lot more easily. And the other person is probably going to have a lot more resistance because they, it wasn't encouraged in the same way. That's so interesting. Thank you for clarifying that. Because I think like for me anyways, there, there is some confusion around like, you know, when you do get a reading with someone, like how much of it is coming from the chart, how much of it is coming from like their own intuition and, and, you know, like I've had different readings and they've been, they've seemed to be so, so different. Astrology readings? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's probably every every astrologer has a different way of Mm -hmm. understanding of interpreting the chart and their energies, right? Like I, um, I have a, I have a particular, I have particular narratives that I use in the same way that I use this narrative to explain the sun, moon and rising. That is something that I have honed after many years of trying to figure out for myself, how I understand these different Mm -hmm. celestial bodies and their energies Mm -hmm. to operate. So each person, each astrologer is going to have their own sort of style and approach, but fundamentally they should all be reading the same data points. Mm -hmm. Uh, It may, they just may be conveying or expressing the energies of it differently or making different interpretations based on it. But we all are sort of armed with the exact same, um, 
I, I don't know, text more or less in front of us. We're just taking a quick break to remind you to follow us at WCR Podcast on Instagram. All of our latest content, newest episodes, info about our guests, book pick of the week, all of it you can find there. You can also email us your listener letters at info at whippcreamradio.com. Ask us anything and we will answer it on air. You can be anonymous. You can leave us your name. But we would really love to hear from you. So find that email address on our page. Let's get back to the show. I have this question jotted down and I just glanced at it, even though it wasn't what I was thinking of next. But I just think it's such a, I just thought of it last night. I thought it was such a cool question. So the signs um, for our listeners uh, are kind of, I guess you would say, broken up into elements of water, fire, earth, and air. Um, How would you, like, what would you say each of those elements are susceptible to and what can they work on? I know that's kind of like a huge question, but just at the, off the top. No, of- it's a great question. I'm, I'm here for that question because um, every single person has every single sign within their 360 degree chart. So just because your sun sign might be cancer or Pisces, you have Leo in your chart, you have Aries in your chart, you have Capricorn in your chart. You have everything. You have all of the 12 signs because your chart is 360 degrees of the zodiac. Likewise, you also have all of the elements in your chart. You have fire, earth, water, and air. And these are ours to use and to understand and to tap into at different points. Um, So we can always work with all of the elements whenever we want to. So we can work with fire energy when we are feeling like we need some passion, some inertia, some movement, some motivation and creative like uh, impetus. Like if we're feeling like we want to be completely uncompromising about our the way that we're moving through something, that's a fire energy manifestation. Of course, fire energy is also, you know, it, it can burn things up. It can be very... Uh, destructive. So the downside of working with too much fire is scorching whatever exists, right? So then we have earth energy, which is grounded and practical. And earth energy is about resources and um, our monetary goals. So whenever we're looking for more pragmatism and something that is really going to anchor us to reality, we can pull in earth energy. And then the the disadvantage of working with too much earth and why we can't just rely on that element exclusively is because it could be very boring. It could be very uncreative and it could become very just sort of by the book, black and white. Um, Then we have air energy, which is the energy of the mind, of intellectualism, of, uh, of movement, of thoughts. And it's it's really the mediary between all the other elements. And if we think about what air does, it, it's formless. So it's, it's helping pick fire up. It's helping make waves. It's creating tornadoes. It's the conduit between everything else. So air is really about, it has this very social implication to it where it's either mediating or it is um, solving a, pro- a humanitarian problem or it is gossiping, which is then the negative side of air is that it could become overly consumed with like what other people are doing and less consumed with itself where it's more focused on like all of the other things than it is just in its own abilities and gifts. And then lastly, we have water energy, which is 
what we would want to summon if we are doing uh, intuitive work, if we're doing more empathy-based healing, um, when we need to connect to our internal world, and when we also need guidance on what we can't see yet. Um, water is all about sort of what lives beneath the surface. So water helps us understand things that don't necessarily have physical form, but obviously we don't want to drown in the water. We don't want to become so submerged in our emotions or other people's emotions that we can't come up for air and we can't sort of get perspective. So air, I mean, water energy can definitely sort of tend to becoming um, overly consumed by sensitivities and feelings and lose perspective in that way. I'm dying laughing because I'm like, that's all me. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because so my, so my, I'm cancer son and then my rising is Scorpio. So growing up, I would like literally be like, I hate that I'm these signs. Cause I was just always emotional and always was like picking up on other people's shit, even when I didn't want to. And like all of the stuff, um, so I was, I was thinking as you were speaking is like, how do you balance being so much of one thing with the other thing? Like, how do you tune into being like being more like Chantel's going through some stuff in her personal life. And I'm like, okay, you got to be a warrior and like tune into the fire, I guess, for instance, but how do you actually do that? You know, you do, you, you really pull it in. I mean, you work with that element. So I, you know, you, you would work Chantel with like practicing fire-based magic, I would encourage you to do like a lot of candle magic, um, a lot of sort of like yelling <laughs> and like um, asserting yourself in different positions and just like practice like physical stances of power, um, kickboxing, um, doing things that are really like building the fire up within you if that's what you need to harness during that time. But you know, firework is, is really like candle magic, you know, it's, or burning things. Right. So it's for the sake of sounding like a 12 year old boy, who's like, I love fire. It's, <laughs> it's really, very, um, there is something super cathartic. And there's a reason that when we're adolescent, we're like always in that like pyromaniac phase is because there's a catharsis to like letting some, like burning something up. Um, so writing out the things that you want to get rid of, um, you know, create like having a ritual candle that you then use to sort of light, put your intention in and then burn that piece of paper. That is a great way of working with fire energy. I love that. I love that. Whereas if you wanted to bring in more water into your life, what you would do is you would, you could actually, if you're near water, of course you would spend more time near the body of water. But if you're not near water, you would take a lot of baths, you would take a lot of showers. And instead of um, burning up the piece of paper, you may write down the things you want to get rid of and then put it in a bowl of water and let the ink bleed and um, have it sort of dissolve in that capacity. I love that. Those are like real tangible things that you can use in real life to kind of tune into those elements. I love that a lot. Yeah. And also it's just, um, for me right now, it's just another reminder of, um, like our ability to find things to tune into. I'm Bianca and I are like really into Jungian psychology and they talk a lot about like archetypes. Um, and, uh, I'm reading this book right now about 
different like Greek goddess archetypes. And like, it's so interesting because what you're describing with the different elements, they're so connected to these goddesses and like some of the, the uh, character traits of these goddesses. And, and it's talking about like in this Jungian psychology lineage of like, when you're too much in one, like find practices to tune into that other one to shift. And I love hearing you talk about this because this is like another reminder of like our own power to, to kind of balance ourselves out or to move from one state to another, which I think. Yeah. I mean, all of, um, all of Carl Jung's work is based on astrology. He himself was an astrologer. All of the archetypes are derived from the astrological zodiac, and wow. we are obsessed with him in astrology because he was so smart, and he really, um, he really, really, really was a pivotal um, luminary <laughs> in wow. in creating psychological astrology, which is really how astrology is practiced today. Um, astrology of many, many generations ago was used to be like, are you fertile? Are you going to get married? Are your crops going to grow? And at that time and place, that was significant. But now we use it to really understand ourselves and our identities and the people in our lives and the trauma and all of the things. Our hero's journey, another really important um, scholar uh, who isn't an astrologer per se, but pulled a lot from astrology is um, Joseph Campbell, who talks about the hero's journey and our rise and fall over the course of our life. And that is truly a one-to-one depiction of what the birth chart does. So it's in my practice, I bring all of that into it. Amazing. Oh, I love that. I really want to do a session with you. <laughs> I would love to do a session with you. Both of you guys. <laughs> You are really um, devoted to the lineage that you practice and keeping it very like clean and clear. And I really respect that and celebrate that about you. And I think that um, that's like, for me, that's like really attractive. I like that because you're right. Like so many people are like combining all these different modalities. And that's probably why the experiences that I've had in, in different readings have been like, so different from each other. And then you end up feeling a bit confused. Yeah. I I like to be very clear. I like to be very thorough and I take my practice very, very seriously. Um, and you know, I work with my mentors all the time. I have weekly sessions with my mentors to continue learning. So I invest in astrology in the same way that when people entrust me to read their birth charts, they're making an investment in self-awareness. Yeah, beautiful. Wow. Love that. So yeah, okay, I know you're dying to ask about compatibility. <laughs> How did you know? You're so intuitive. <laughs> it's all the water. <laughs> I was listening to one of your podcasts, Lisa, and I don't remember, I can't remember which one it was because I binged a bunch of them, but um compatibility came up and I I mean I took this quote right from your podcast but it was like so if if we're compatible sun signs but clashing moon signs are we doomed as a couple I think astrology is like the one thing that people love talking about when it comes to relationships and coupling up I mean it is for me I'm like so what's your sign because I'm like trying to figure out where this is gonna go um in general what do you think I mean I don't even know how to word this but like how do you think that it can be useful in finding your person. 
I think it's extraordinarily useful in, in helping understand oneself. And I think that compatibility is a practice in understanding yourself as opposed to finding a person. Um, I think that when one becomes extremely, you know, the more self-aware we are, the more responsible we will be when we are dating and when we are bringing people into our lives. Um, if we know the our sort of weaknesses and the things that we always just fall back on and that never work out. And we can pinpoint that and identify why these patterns and these cycles are happening. Like that is going to do wonders for being able to find somebody you're compatible with because right off the bat, you'll be like, okay, great. This person is exhibiting these types of qualities from an astrological perspective, we could be like, okay, they are speaking to my like Saturn daddy, 12th house shit, or like some of my, uh, you know, emotional trauma or my feelings of rejection. Um, and that is why I keep finding myself in these patterns with these unavailable people. But if we can spot that and then we can sort of rewire ourselves to understand what we actually need as opposed to what we think we need in a moment, then we open ourselves to, to really compatible relationships, to really lasting love and respect and reciprocity and healing and growth. Um, it's very easy to rely on what I like to call like low hanging fruit in relationships where, you know, for instance, we may feel triggered about money and then we're like, I need to be with someone who's rich. I need to be with someone who is successful and is powerful at their job. So we find that person and the entire relationship is then built on our insecurity. So as soon as that waxes and wanes, which it's inevitably bound to, then we see it as, you know, it's like it, it emphasizes and sort of, um, re-traumatizes us because we have built a relationship around what we're lacking. Mm -hmm. Instead of focusing on trying to find that in other people, we can sort of push that inward and say like, I want to be rich. I want to be successful. I want these things. I don't need these in a partner. What I actually need in a partner is someone who's going to listen to me, someone who's going to respect my spirituality, someone who is going to you know, hold me when I cry and not ask me to stop someone who is going to like comfort my needs. And the moon sign is going to show you a lot of what those needs are. So you can then go to your chart and say, these are, these are my needs. These are the things that I sort of am wired to require for my wellness. And, and this is what I actually want to draw in as opposed to the things that I'm just keep like compounding the trauma within. So unfortunately I'm not like, I wish that I, I could totally rattle off signs that are and aren't compatible, but it's just not real. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And it's totally inaccurate because the signs that I am on the surface compatible with, um, for instance, like other water signs, it, it just becomes too much. It's too much emotion. It never works out. It becomes super toxic. And the signs that I'm generally, you know, when you read about and it's not, it's not necessarily like that's that crazy chemistry right away, but it's been more healthy and more like helped me evolve more, even though it wasn't my most compatible sign. So I don't agree that all of that is necessarily accurate either. So I think that that's. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I, it takes a long time to figure all of this stuff out. You know, it's, 
it takes 30 years for a chart to come into full maturation. So until you're 30, you're still figuring yourself out completely. Um, you need to sort of clear your Saturn return. Um, and you know, I have no problem with people hitting rock bottom in order for them to really understand what that rock bottom looks like. I mean, so long as obviously they, you know, it's, whatever. I mean, not even within reason. Rock bottom is rock bottom. Like sometimes certain charts and certain people really need to be in their worst fucking relationship ever to understand the full extent of their darkness. I am an eighth house stellium. So I personally have had to reach rock bottom in different areas of my life and my finances and my love life in order to be able to rise from the ashes, like the fucking eighth house stellium that I am and like have clarity on why these things are happening. The reason that like astrologers and healers and psychics and mediums are attracted to this work is because there is a reciprocal nature of healing oneself through it as well. Mm -hmm. So the work that we do on ourselves becomes work that we do for our clients and our clients heal us and we heal them. And it's like, everyone is involved in the symbiotic process. So beautiful. Wow. Sorry, I was just going to ask you something. Oh, do you mind um, maybe just talking a little bit about, I remember my Saturn return was fucking hell. Um, do you mind? Because our listeners are about that age when it kind of, I think it's like 27, 28, 29, if I'm correct. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about what that is and what to expect? So your Saturn return is when Saturn in the sky um, creates its first connection to Saturn in your birth chart. So it takes Saturn approximately 20 and, 28 and a half years to come and make this full orbit. Um, but the Saturn return period usually lasts for about one year. It's different for everyone, but usually between 28 and 31 is when we'll see Saturn return be exact. And during this time, what it means is that you become your own father. And this is when you have to learn all of your lessons. And basically you, so how I've recently been describing it is that before your Saturn return, you were born and you got a toolbox. And in this toolbox was a hammer and a tape measure and then basically throughout your whole life, you've been needing to deal with every single situation with a hammer and tape measure. And you've becoming more and more aware of the fact that these tools maybe don't work for everything. So during your Saturn return, you become aware that you need more tools, right? So you're like, I need some fucking nails if I'm going to get anything done with this hammer. Or like, it would be great. I have a, I have measuring tape, but it would be nice to actually have a level. So I know if things are hanging correctly and straight, you know, so you're becoming super, super diligent and, um, and hyper tuned in to what has been lacking in order for you to be your best person and for you to be your most successful and most purposeful version of yourself. So along that time, a lot of the structure, the infrastructure that you built is probably collapsing because you built it with a fucking hammer and measuring tape. And now you have your Saturn return come through and you are actually starting to be like, you know what? Turns out I need drills. Turns out I need, I, that's, I think that's the extent of actual tools that I know. But turns out I, these are the <laughs> things that I need in order for me to like make something sustainable. And then by the end of it, 
turns out you have a badass fucking toolbox and you can do everything and you can do exactly what your life requires. And then 28 and a half years later, you have the same situation come back up where you have a new infrastructure, things are different, and you basically have to reassess your toolbox. Wow. Chantel, do you remember, do you remember what you were going through around that age, 28? Um, yeah, I was like, I was, I was one year into um, my relationship with my ex-fiance that I just broke up with and we had just moved in together. And uh, that relationship was like, so many lessons, so many lessons. And there was a ton of challenges. And I just started on the path of getting triggered and like on some childhood trauma that needed to be resolved in, but it was triggered through that relationship. And it all started around that time. Yeah. But it took a few years. Like it it took a few years. I was really slow to like the, to get deep into the healing of it. Yeah. I mean, it takes properly 30 years. I mean, it's, and then give or take, depending on the specificities of your chart, plus or minus 31, but 30, 31 is when we are clearing it. But it's, that is the crux of it is when we are figuring out what we need. Yeah. I think probably by like 33, it was like, I hit the point of like the, the peak of like, I got, I was diagnosed with PTSD. And then from there, it was just like an opening of like the new path. Yeah. So that makes sense timing wise. What about you, Bianca? Oh, it was probably the darkest part, like part of my life. It's so, it was so shit that I don't even really remember what I was doing, but I just, I specifically remember it being like the most depressing, darkest, what am I doing with my life moment. Uh, And it was maybe even a year and a half of just like, oh, nothing was working. It didn't matter. I was just, it was just dark, but um, it led me to like create a new company and all of the stuff. Like it just, that's when the shift really started happening. And I started to like reach for like, okay, I know that I don't want to continue doing this in my work anymore. And just even so many shedding of a lot of different relationships, which wasn't easy because there was a point where I looked around and I was like, oh, I have no friends (laughs) because I had accumulated so many people that I was in such a shitty place. So you attract that same energy and Um, a lot of people that were just not in a good place either. So when I started coming and rising from the ashes, as you said, those relationships were just stale and not working anymore. So I remember there was a point specifically around that age, 29, where I literally was like, oh, I I literally don't have any friends. So then creating new relationships and friendships in my career, it was just, it was a lot of change at once um, after I kind of got out of of the shit of it, if that makes sense. But I don't remember really what I was doing. I just remember it being really hard. But you got to, I think that the, 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 the silver lining it is that sometimes people deep, if, I feel like because I knew it was my Saturn return and I had that label on it, I was like, okay, I know that this is happening. And I was able to like, know that there's something at the end of the tunnel. I didn't know what, but I feel like why I wanted to bring it up is because sometimes people don't know that that's happening. And they're just like, why am I going through all this shit? And so I think it's important to like, know that during that age is when those changes start to happen. So, you know, not to like, let go or give up. Right. Yeah, it's it's very important to just remember that everything is cyclical and everything, nothing lasts forever. 
in both the good and bad way, you know, in a way that we wish everything could last forever in a way where it's like, I can't wait for this to end. Both are true. And the cyclicality of life, I find to be very, um, grounding. It's, it just puts practicality on everything. It makes the, it makes you really appreciate the good things that you have. And then also not get too far down into the heavy times. Totally. Yeah. Beautiful. Well said. Thank you so much for being on. You are so clear and like accurate and you're like an encyclopedia. <laughs> I really appreciate you talking to us. It was really, really, really. Thank awesome. you guys so much. I so enjoyed talking to both of you water sign goddesses. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to be booking sessions with you to get our charts done. Believe me. Hell yes. I can't wait. If you can just tell our listeners maybe um, before um, uh, what you're working on next that you can share and where to find you and yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I, um, I can be found at Eliza Kelly on all of the social media channels. So that's A-L-I-Z-A Kelly. Um, and I also host a podcast called Stars Like Us. Um, and I also recently started what's called the Constellation Club, and it's a virtual coven um, where everyone is connected through this chat room. Think of it like a Slack channel chat room. Um, and we are all talking about astrology and magic and reading each other's birth charts and psychic powers and self-care. And there's over 150 members right now in there. And I want everyone to join who's interested in these things and feel welcome. Um, it's a super inclusive program. So you can find info for that on my, uh, Instagram in the link, whatever. Um, but I'm building it on Patreon. So it's patreon.com slash Lisa Kelly as well. Awesome. Awesome. And I love your Instagram and how you make it like fun and funny and digestible. It's really fucking awesome. Yeah. And then you, you stay for the, or come for the meme, stay for the trauma work. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm all about. Thanks for listening. So as a money coach, I always talk about the exchange of energy. You guys just listen to this dope episode for free. So don't be cheap. Make a deposit into your karma bank account and review and subscribe to this podcast.